Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. Well, regional markets in the spotlight tonight, they've been trading cautiously on concerns of the impact of the COVID-19 Delta variant. But with vaccine rollouts accelerating across the region, what does this mean for economic recovery and a return to pre-pandemic trade? Well, we're joined on the line now by Marcus Wong. He's a macro strategist at Bloomberg to find out. Marcus, thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, thanks for having me here today. Good to have you with us, Marcus. So tell us more about the virus situation in Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, the Philippines. What does this mean for the growth outlook? I mean, Malaysia has just seen a record high number of new daily virus cases just last week, while daily fatalities in Thailand surged to an all-time high on Wednesday. Yeah, so I think basically, as, as you guys already mentioned, new, new, new daily virus cases remain very high in the region, mm-hmm. um, Malaysia, especially in Malaysia, Thailand and Philippines, while cases remain elevated in Indonesia, even as cases have eased from peaks seen in mid-July. I think what this experience has shown is that lockdowns this time around appear to be less effective in curbing mm-hmm. cases if compared to last year. Uh, you know, for example, Malaysia just saw a record number of cases, and this is despite lockdown restrictions in Malaysia having been in place since May. And I think governments have come to the realisation that the economy can't remain closed forever and have started easing lockdown measures despite still high case counts. And I think this, all this offers some hope that as vaccination rates rises, uh, the recovery in the economy can pick up. You know, of all the economies in Southeast Asia, I think at this point, at this juncture, Thailand is probably one of the worst hit nations, or, or, mostly due to its strong reliance on tourism dollars. I think the Bank of Thailand forecasts growth of only 0.7% this year. And I think, you know, just to compare, it's, it's stark contrast to pre-pandemic annual GDP of between 2 to 4%. And of course, any recovery in Thailand will, will remain challenged due to its relative low vaccination rates, which will make it difficult for the country to reopen to tourism. So let's have a look at vaccination programs for uh, Southeast Asian countries. Where are we in terms of mm-hmm. achieving a herd immunity? It's a big population. I know there are supply challenges, not that people don't want to be vaccinated. I think a vast majority of people in Southeast Asia would want to be vaccinated. But there are uh, issues along the way. Yeah, so as, as I mentioned earlier, you know, lockdowns appear to be less effective. And, and you know, essentially vaccination is only the one of the only key routes out of, of this uh, pandemic we are in. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, everybody knows Singapore is close to vaccinating 80% of its population, you know, a very uh, enviable uh, target. But it's essentially our regional neighbours are still lagging behind, though at varying degrees. So I think according to data compiled by Bloomberg, Malaysia has only, full, has only fully vaccinated 39% of its population, Philippines at 12%, uh, similar to Indonesia at 12%, while Thailand lags behind at 8%. And so from the statistics alone, we can understand why Thailand's work to recovery will still take some time moving forward. Um, in terms of reaching herd immunity, I think officially, you know, from government officials, Malaysia aims to reach the mile, that milestone by the year end, mm. while Thailand is expected to achieve that goal only after 2022. Um, Indonesia has taken a different route altogether. It's actually shifted away from its goal of reaching herd immunity as the rise of the, this more infectious Delta variant actually pushes the threshold beyond its reach. So I guess, look at this vaccination statistics alone, you know, it appears that Malaysia's recovery will get a pace you know, towards the year end, while Thailand may only see a meaningful recovery next year. 
So in, in countries like, as you said, uh, Indonesia, the Philippines, where it's a huge population, no matter how fast they vaccinate, what is the timeline for these countries to see, well, I guess, a significant number of their mm. population vaccinated? Well, as I mentioned, I think for, for Thailand, officially, based on, on their guidance, it's mm-hmm. probably going to be only after 22, 2022. Mm-hmm. And of course, for Philippines, uh, I've not seen official guidance, but if you know, fully vaccinated numbers are only at 12% at this, at this juncture. Mm-hmm. It's safe to say that they will not achieve uh, herd immunity this year. Potentially next year will be a, a, a door open for them, essentially. Okay. So, Marcus, let's talk about support, fiscal and monetary policies that are being undertaken by Southeast Asian governments to mitigate the impact from the virus. I mean, Indonesia's budget announcement last Monday suggests the fiscal consolidation is still a key target for 2022, while the Bank of Thailand's governor last week uh, also suggested that the government should spend an additional one trillion baht to stave off the impact of COVID nineteen. Yeah, so, of course, governments regionally have you know you know turned on the taps to stave mm. to stave off a recession, while central banks have raised to spur lending and growth. Um, but so also at the same time, it's important to remember that unlike governments and central banks in developed markets, regional authorities have, have had to balance stimulus measures against fiscal deficit concerns. Um, in that respect, I think Indonesia appears to be a standout. You know, the 2022 budget announcement made last week continues to point toward a government that prioritizes fiscal consolidation. Now, on a slightly different note, you know, the Bank of Thailand government, as you correctly pointed out, suggested last week that the government could spend another one trillion baht. Uh, Malaysia, on the other hand, has widened its 2021 fiscal deficit target twice so far this year, mm-hmm. uh, inspecting the deficit target to actually widen to as much as 7% of GDP. So again, as a as a as a basis of measure, pre-pandemic fiscal deficit from Malaysia was around three percent. So what I'm trying to say through all this is that we can observe that regional governments have taken very different approaches in managing the impact of COVID. Um, so to be fair, I think that there's a greater call for fiscal policy to do most of the heavy work this year, as monetary policy has lost some of its impact. You know, a, a brilliant a brilliant example would be will cutting policy rates further get companies to borrow more? or for retail investors to get more mortgage loans? You know, I don't think so. Um, so I, I think, you know, governments have also quite rightly spent as they should. That said, I think it's very important right now that global, that, that you know, governments in this region remember that global funds have been more tolerant of these spending measures only because developed market rates, i.e. the U.S., have remained low. Um, but this window of opportunity is closing, mm-hmm. and there's increasing chatter about the Federal Reserve reducing bond purchases this year. So I think essentially once U.S. rates start rising again, uh, global investors will become more selective in their investments, and this will impact bonds and currencies of these less physically conservative countries, as well as currencies with less attractive carry. We're speaking to Marcus Wong, macro strategist at Bloomberg here on Primetime this evening. Marcus, what does the ongoing situation, uh, virus situation that is, corresponding reaction from governments and central bankers mean for the currencies around Southeast Asia, the ringgit, the Thai baht, the Philippine peso, the rupiah, well, as well as other government bonds? Yes, well, that's a brilliant question, right? So not surprisingly, the Thai baht is the worst performing currency in Asia this year against the dollar. You know, as long as borders remain tightly closed and the spread of the Delta variant challenges a recovery in tourism, I think it'd be quite hard for the Thai baht to see a meaningful appreciation. Uh, in addition, I think the pen of Thailand is also key for depreciation in the baht instead of appreciation as, as it helps with exports. Well, as such, I think we could see that actually the baht weakened further from current levels of around 33 
1.4 per dollar. Um, similarly, I think the Malaysian ringgit and Philippine peso's performance has been slightly below the median of other Asian currencies. Mm-hmm. Uh, peso has tumbled recently after the Central Bank of Philippines hinted of more easing measures. While for Malaysia's ringgit, um, of, of course, it's been weighed down by lockdown concerns as well as the ongoing political uncertainty as the previous uh, leadership vacuum only make it more difficult to craft policies to pull the economy out of the recession. Uh, it's still important that the, at the other end of the spectrum, the top performing Asian currencies this year have been countries which have had better control of the virus situation, such as the Chinese yuan and the Taiwan dollar. Um, this is for the currencies, but from the bonds front, I think Southeast Asian bonds have fed better against their global emerging market peers, uh, as inflation has stayed low and dovish and central banks have remained dovish. Um, mm-hmm. This stands in stark contrast to Latin American economies such as Mexico, Brazil, and Chile, which have all had to raise policy rates as inflation has started to surge. Okay, Marcus, you know, we've all been looking towards uh, this taper talk and uh, keeping an eye on um, what's going to happen, what's going to come out from the Fed. Are there any other local or macroeconomic factors that investors should keep a lookout for? You're right to say that. I think the tapering announcement is a big thing that everyone's looking for. But, you know, it's important to note that look back if we compare where treasuries are right now compared to 2013, I think most people expect the reaction to be more manageable. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also less likelihood of any actually on any big surprises uh, at Jackson Hole this weekend, uh, as you know, you know, um, due to the the surge of the Delta strain, the U.S. investors have pat down expectations of a hawkish announcement this week. Um, but locally, I think. You know, a lot of um, you know investors have asked me about whether the protests in Thailand or the political uncertainty in Malaysia has had a bearing on the Thai baht and the ringgit. And I guess while the political protests would weigh on Thailand's economy outlook at the margins, uh, it is really the lockdowns and business closures which have seen a greater impact. Similarly, in Malaysia, um, the change in government has seen little immediate reaction from the ringgit. I think this was no different in Feb- this was no different than in February last year when uh, Muhyiddin replaced Mahathir as the prime minister. So of course, if Ismail Sabri's administration proves a job in managing the COVID-19 situation, we could conceivably see a faster recovery of the ringgit. Of course, the corresponding will also be true if the current administration fails to bring the economy out of the lockdown. Mm. Now, as, as such, I think the impact of COVID-19 and the corresponding lockdowns continue to be the main threat to Southeast Asian currency and its performances. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and for all of those updates. Thank you for having me. Thank you. We've been speaking with Marcus Wong, macro strategist at Bloomberg. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.